Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. From the Gert Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. Across the western U.S., climate disasters compound the devastation already caused by the deepening addiction crisis. That's the big takeaway from a new article in High Country News. It explores the twin crises of climate change and substance use disorder. Robin Buller is a freelance journalist based in Oakland, California. She joins us now. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. What made you want to look into this issue? Yeah, so I was actually writing a related but different story for our local paper here in Oakland about meth. Um, And I was speaking with one source who works um, in emergency departments, excuse me, emergency departments, and she told me that Um, you know, sort of about this connection. She told me a story from back in September 2020. Um, Oregonians may not be as familiar with this event, but here in the San Francisco Bay Area, we had one day in September when the sky just completely, you know, turned orange. And she told me that on that day and in the days and weeks following, she saw a huge increase in, in overdoses, Um, and just in complications from substance use. And that sort of got me thinking about this connection between, you know, climate disasters, which we're seeing more and more frequently and and with greater intensity, and the addiction crisis, which, um, you know, is also playing out, especially in these states that are impacted by by climate change. Could you tell us a story of, of one person you profiled, Marin? I hope I'm pronouncing their name, their name correctly, Marin Hambly and 2018's yeah. campfire. Yeah, so uh, correct. It's Marin. Um, so Marin is a harm reduction worker based in Chico, which is sort of in the Sacramento Valley in in Central California. Um, and they they actually weren't working in harm reduction at the time that the fire broke out, but um, they. It was November 2018, and they were working as a, a landscaper, actually, and sort of saw over the horizon this big plume of smoke coming up. And it turned out to be the beginning of of the campfire, which is most infamous for what happened in, in Paradise, um, where, you know, 85 people at least died. Um, and, you know, uh, Marin had experience working in harm reduction in the past, and they kind of were, uh, you know, aware that there were certain groups of people who were likely going to be impacted more than others by this event. Um, And sure enough, they quickly saw, you know, people coming out from the valley, you know, towards Chico, um, looking for places of refuge. Uh, There was a sort of make-up, you know, pop-up shelter that emerged in an empty lot near a local Walmart. Um, and so they went there trying to sort of see how they could help, um, especially with regards to how they could help people who use drugs um, and who might need help accessing safe use supplies. So, um, you know, sure enough, as, as with all groups of people and, um, you know, in all sort of locations, there were people who, who regularly use drugs and who needed assistance. And, Marin started working with local activists to try and get supplies into that site. Um, and it was, it was more difficult than they anticipated. There were rules against, 
you know, using drugs in these sort of refugee camps. There were rules even against having safe use supplies as a result. So they had to sneak supplies into these sites. Um, and, and that sort of struck me because they also told me that, you know, wealthier people, um, people with means, weren't really staying at this pop-up location. They were more likely to have rented Airbnbs or to be staying at hotels. And so they probably were more likely or more able to get their own safe use supplies or their own supplies of, of substances. And people with lower incomes, people who may already be on the margins, were more likely to be in this camp. Um, and it was that group who sort of struggled to get these these safer supplies. And sure enough, you know, overdose rates did go up in, in Butte County, in Chico in particular, and in the zip codes surrounding Paradise um, in those days and weeks following the fire. So people really did need these supplies in order to stay alive. Has that been borne out after other fires or climate-induced disasters, an, an increase in, say, overdose rates or overdose deaths? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, Dave, it's something that I, you know, I heard this story from Marin. I, you know, wasn't sure how universal this would be. And it really was something that I found sort of across the board, um, you know, in across California, just to all sort of pepper you with a few statistics here, um, over the past five years, emergency department visits for opioid overdoses have peaked during wildfire season. So during sort of the third quarter of the year, August, September, October, that's when opioid overdose rates have have reached their peak. Um, And across the past eight years, California's counties with the highest opioid overdose rates are primarily those that are really in fire-prone or fire-affected areas, which are typically more rural parts of the of the state. Hmm. And this isn't only something that um, that we see in California. In in Oregon, I sort of checked out the the CDC statistics for um, for Jackson County, which is where the Almeda fire was uh, in 2020. And there too, overdose rates sort of go up every year in August, September, October. It seems like there are a couple two big pieces of this. One of them is the huge increase in chaos and uncertainty that climate fuel disasters can introduce into people's lives. What can that mean for people who are already dealing with substance use disorder? Yeah, so um, there are, I guess, a couple different aspects of that. The first is just the psychological aspect. I'm sure that any listeners who have lived through a climate sort of disaster, an acute climate disaster, or even listeners who have, um, you know, experienced residual smoke from a wildfire um, can relate to that sort of feeling of, of gloom, of dread that, that comes with it. And so, um, you know, people who have substance use disorder, when they experience um, psychological trauma or upset, that makes them more likely to use. Um, and then there's also, as you mentioned, sort of the chaos, the disorder. Substance use um, professionals and sort of harm reduction workers that I spoke with told me that that chaos really leads to more chaotic use, less managed use. And that type of use is, is really more dangerous, um, especially for um, people who you know, may not be able to access their regular supply of substances. They may resort to alternate suppliers 
that might mean that it's more potent. It might mean that it's laced with fentanyl. That, of course, then increases someone's likelihood of overdosing. Um, and I should also mention that this isn't something that only affects people who illegally use drugs or opioids. It also very much impacts people who might legally use an opioid through a prescription or something like that. You know, if they can't access their prescription, they might look elsewhere for a supply and that could be dangerous. Also, if someone can't access um, treatment that they're undergoing, you know, medication-assisted treatment for drug use, um, that can then lead to, to chaotic and dangerous use. One person I spoke with told me that if MAT, that medication-assisted treatment, is, um, is halted, if there's a lapse, someone is three times more likely to die of an overdose. Hmm. We just have about a minute left, but what does this all suggest to you in terms of what officials should be thinking about or, or planning ahead for as climate fuel disasters become more common? Yeah, that's that's such a good question. I, you know, I heard a few things from the people that I spoke with. The first and perhaps most important is is for people to be thinking about this population, for people to, you know, get rid of their stigmas about people who use drugs and to think about them like they would the rest of the population in an area that um, might be impacted by an acute climate disaster and, you know, think about helping them and making sure that they stay safe. Um, And the second thing, and really the only thing that people can do sort of on a tangible, practical level is to be prepared and to be prepared with supplies. So pharmacies um, should have, you know, backup supplies of prescription opioids, of Narcan, that's the opioid-reducing nasal or overdose-reversing nasal spray. Um, Harm reduction groups need to be able to have backup supplies also of Narcan, but also of clean needles and um, syringes, cotton swabs, other supplies that enable safe drug use. Um, And just sort of, you know, also maintaining communication between groups. So between harm reduction groups, um, between, you know, medical authorities and, and local government agencies, making sure that these groups are all um, connected. Robin Buller, thanks very much. Thanks, Dave. Robin Buller is a contributing writer for High Country News.